Welcome in, <laughs> nesters. How are things today on what here in Kalamazoo is a absolutely gorgeous Sunday afternoon weather-wise? Uh, great temperature, beautiful sunny day. We enjoyed taking ourselves for a little walk earlier today, getting our steps in once again. Uh, my name is Mike Hess. I am a respiratory therapist and COPD dude. My name is Kelly Becker. I am someone who suffered with obesity her whole life and now an obesity specialist and human being with flaws. Uh, as are we all. And this is Fight to Flight. This is where we take a look at um, how we overcome our flaws. I have also had a uh, struggle with obesity my entire life. Um, I had bariatric surgery in 2016. Um, that has led to that led to 150 pound weight loss. I've put on about 20 pounds over the last six months or so. Um, started going back down, and then of course back up in the uh, with the pandemic going on. Um, uh, I've struggled with very severe, severe obesity since I was six years old. I had my sleeve gastrectomy in October of 2013. At my best, I lost about 140 pounds. I went from 310-ish to three, uh, 165, and then I made it back up to 195 with depression, stress, and this pandemic. So we're chronic. We are sharing the chronicles of our journey of getting back on track. And so we just went for a walk, and Mike took the first shower, and I took the second, and it always takes me longer. So here I am in my turban. <laughs> He says, there is always a preamble for when I'm ready and I say I'm worth the wait. So here I am, everybody, on our channel with my wet hair because it is how it is. And we just walked over four miles. So, uh -huh. so first off, um, as we like to do, we'd like to say hello to some of our good friends checking in. First off, Jeannie's been waiting for a shout out for a little while here. She was the first one to pop in on the main Facebook feed. And of course, our good friend John Linnell can't stay long today, but Jeannie he found John. us. Thank Jeannie you very and John. much. Love you so much. Uh, longtime supporters of a lot of our efforts back into our one of our other endeavors, COPD Navigator, um, <laughs> and even in your turban mode. Oh, very beautiful woman. Thank you. Forty-two years old, right here. All I have is moisturizer. So, um, after four p.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> This is what it's like to be loved, everybody. So, uh, but enough about us. Um, there are a couple of things that we wanted to, uh, that well, I in particular wanted to chat about this week. Um, we finally got our, um, and I'm sorry, one of my flaws here is I've got uh, just a giant fleck of something on my glasses. Me? And I just, I didn't bring our good claws down, but I just got to get that off my face because, you know, the blinding studio glare is... Uh, I'm thinking of turning this look around while you talk. Okay. So that's what's happening. I've got nothing to hide. I'm 42 and proud. Yeah, that's I, that's I your call. Okay. Um, and also, happy. hello, Monica, Dr. Wagner oh, from Monica. the great city of Pittsburgh. One of our one of uh, well, both of our dear dear friends. She's known Kelly longer, of course, but. Um, uh, one of our fantastic friends, welcome in, and uh, again, an inspiration on our journey. She has been tearing up the streets of mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, just running and walking and pushing herself uh, by, you know, just leaps and bounds every day. So hopefully we can be like Monica someday when we grow up. I want to be like Monica when I grow up. Well, and John and Jeannie. Well, frankly. of course, of course. Right. 
So some of this, you know, one of the, the first thing I want to talk about today um, is uh, related kind of to the pandemic and related to a lot of um, the stuff that a lot of us deal with. I have no idea how that's coming through on the on the microphone. I'm afraid be a little they're bit hearing curious. me scraping oh, my I hair. Oh, I guarantee they're hearing you I'm scrape so your sorry. hair. I'm so sorry. That's about to quiet. Okay? <laughs> this is the same microphone that would pick me up swallowing when I was doing the podcast. You know, just well, kind of clearing my throat. Get a ready, bit, everybody. So. Uh, in any event, um, what we're doing here, hopefully, is a little bit more along the lines of positive thinking, which it turns out is pretty good because. A study that came out, let's see, this uh, this particular article, I get a lot of updates and stuff from a website called MedPage Today. Um, and this particular article talks about how repetitive negative thinking is actually linked with um, Alzheimer's disease pathology. So um, ends up, I don't necessarily want to say like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but when you start having negative thoughts, including, you know, um, maybe not so much anxiety, but depression and kind of negative spirals and things like that. Um, it really, you know, we've known that it's not great and it kind of can lead you into more of a depressive cycle and isolation and things like that. But it also seems to have actual physical repercussions now, too. Absolutely. Um, so they talk about uh, patterns of repeated rumination or where you kind of focus on the same thing over and over again or lead yourself down a dark path um, or worry were associated with subsequent declines in global cognition, which is overall thinking, uh, immediate memory, which I would imagine is short term memory and delayed memory. So, you know, all of these things that are commonly associated with the the um, the idea of of dementia, particularly Alzheimer's type dementia is now appears to have another cause um it actually seems to leave now maybe you you may know a little bit more about this if with the nursing background um global amyloid and entorhinal tau deposits i know tau deposits have something to do with the neurons and things like that but i don't really know um Right Monica down to looking at endothelial stuff. things and uh, with MRI and... and endothelial being? Uh, the lines of vessels. Ah. Um, but yeah, actually, Dr. Wagner would probably have a better explanation. Um, so one of the, um, the takeaway quotes here was, as, as repetitive negative thinking is a commonly occurring symptom in depression and anxiety disorders, our finding could explain the associations observed between those disorders and increased dementia risk. That was um, uh, Dr. Natalie Marchant, PhD of University College uh, of London in London. So um, this was a study that was 292 adults over age 55 with um, elevated risk of dementia. This was folks who had at least one first-degree relative who had uh, Alzheimer's. Um, and uh, an additional 68 in a different cohort. Um, so there were still some genetic things. They, uh, they found that they performed in the normal range and a lot of neuropsychological tests, had no clinical evidence of a psychiatric disorder. And so then they studied them over two years and saw that they actually did, uh, based on some of the um, perseverative thinking questionnaire where you just kind of focus on a thing and perseverate, I guess is the, the word, um, on a negative thing and found that over the course of four years, People with negative, with higher re repetitive negative thinking pastors, ex uh, patterns experienced faster decline in the um, in the various things, the memory and the, the thinking 
parts. Um, so what, uh, um, and you know, it's funny, this, this study has also come out because I mentioned a little bit earlier, our COPD navigator group has come up, uh, probably three or four times in the last week talking about people having anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, and I keep, I, uh, Gabby probably thinks I'm stalking her because, um, our friend, (laughs) our our friend, uh, we have a friend, uh, Gabby Davis, um, out in Idaho who, um, a fantastic respiratory therapist, a tobacco cessation genius, vape expert, um, but also I believe just finished a degree in counseling. I can't remember exactly what uh, I feel. I feel terrible because I can't remember exactly what the details are. But she is now talk uh, better. I should uh, a trained counselor because you know when it comes to a lot of chronic conditions. And I include mental health conditions in that, um, obviously, but physical health too. Counseling is absolutely critical. You know, we talk about smoking cessation counseling. We talk about nutrition counseling. I mean, these are all factors that you have to actually be able to communicate and get these things forward. So um, she has given us some resources, and I believe we've posted them on, on the Best Nest page a time or two, um, for just some some strategies you can do to refocus, to stop that perseverating um, and to kind grounding. of grounding, yes, grounding, centering, all these things. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's the more stereotypical things like tapping a rhythm or something like that. But um, also, you know, just thinking about a color or very calmly and uh, internally talking about what you're doing right now and how it's making you feel. Just talking yourself kind of out of cycles and things like that. Um, and sometimes it's more physical stuff too. Well, one of the the more com- the more comments I saw today in Navigator was um, when one of the group members got nervous, she would put her feet in cold water. Yeah, the senses really are powerful. And trying to focus on the actual sensory inputs rather than the imagination. Objective input. Yes, that's a better that's yeah. a better way to put it. That's a, a key part of grounding is what's real and what is something I'm perceiving in my case perhaps out of paranoia or fear. So what is real? What is around me? And I and tapping into those five senses. And so sometimes it's temperature and feeling mm-hmm. something. Sometimes it's a scent or, you know, something concrete. Concrete and an objective to bring you back to what's real and not something you're doing to yourself. And a lot of us will do that. I had horrible nightmares last night, in fact. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm sorry. No, that's that's the kind of insight that it's a high quality original content you're coming to expect from the best nuts. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, you, you mentioned other senses, too, and I, they say that the sense of smell is one of your most oh, powerful absolutely. receptors for or one of the mo- most powerful connections to memory. It is for so, me. So, you know, maybe if you if there is a particular scent that you associate with uh, good childhood memories, maybe you can get um, not something I usually recommend with with my my respiratory people, but maybe you get a diffuser of some kind. You have that or a candle or something that gives you that that scent, gives you access to that scent so that when you see yourself going into one of these loops, um, that's something you can you can access. You can light the candle, you can start the diffuser and check mm-hmm. that out. So absolutely. I had scents that calmed me 
when I had to write long papers mm. for school um, because having to focus for long periods of time was very anxiety-provoking for me because I'm someone who wants every word the first time to be perfection. And, I mean, that's unrealistic, and I would make myself crazy, but I learned that different uh, – I would light different candles or now – I mean, it could be a melt. It could be a cologne. It could be um, something that just makes me feel comforted. It can be chamomile tea and the smell of it. Um, and those things will – when I have that in my environment, I can associate that with comfort during this task that I find taxing. So those are very powerful things to do. Well, and hearing you describe some of those things, I remember one, um, early on. It's exciting when you reveal to me and everyone. Well, I, I mean, love it. it, it well, I love that, it. Not really a reveal per se. There but, was one this week. We'll um, come back to that. Um, during, you know, smoking cessation is really tough. I mean, even under the best circumstances, it's just really hard to do. So we, we've talked about a lot of these triggers and stuff before. And I had, a, I had someone tell me one time, um, she would put detergent, little bowls, you know, little like, you know, ramekins of detergent at different spots in her house because she associated that with being clean and being fresh and oh, she didn't want in. the tobacco smell to get. So whenever she started having those urges, she would go and like sniff around the detergent. And that brought her some comfort. Uh, what got me to thinking about yeah. that is cleaning and things like that. And again, something I can't usually recommend to um, respiratory folks is chlorine bleach. You know, I love that fresh. Cause, well, because it first of all, first of all, it's, it, it's it says clean, and then also I, you know, I used to love even, um, you know, my my folk, my grandparents and my, and my parents had a, a old uh, a small cottage out on a lake, um, had that lake and loved being in the freshwater and all that. But I also loved going to a swimming pool, mm-hmm. and just that. So that brings back some great childhood memories and stuff like that. So yes, yeah, senses, incredibly powerful. And, you know, honestly, we, we, we may be looking at that, a lot of that stuff more recently. I saw this week in particular here in Kalamazoo, they're starting to reopen the parks, but they have officially decided that um, they're not going to reopen our city pool, which well, I think is wholeheartedly appropriate. But, you know, again, you're, you're going to have people that miss that. You may, you know, there are probably a lot of people who that's, well, I know there's a lot of people that that's their relief because, you know, we're, we're not... Detroit, Chicago, New York, Miami, but we're also, you know, we're, 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 we don't have a lot of natural beach here in Kalamazoo. And so if you don't, if you're not fortunate enough to be able to drive somewhere and go to Lake Michigan or something like that, you might go to the pool and that's your, that's the enjoyment. Um, and that maybe that's been part of your family tradition. And, now, and it's not as hard on your joints and yeah. back and yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask is, Outside of sensory stuff, I mean, just kind of tying in with what you're doing right now, our rituals and personal care things, is that is that another potential way to get out of the negative thought? I mean, if, oh, if, if you just sit and you, know, you say, well, I'm getting stressed out, and, you know, or again, going, kind of going back to quarantine. I've been in the house for however many weeks, how many every day, I'm, I'm kind of going nuts. I want to put on makeup i want to i haven't used my hair products or anything in a while because now it's really getting whoo but um 
you know, do is that is that a, is that a self-soothing thing to do those kind of self-care items? For some people, I'm so glad you bring that up, which is why I'm taking this time. You know me; I I am a natural kind of person, and I married you because you're not caught up in that, and you know you don't pressure me or anything. I wasn't. I kind of like my hair stuff. I'm, I'm going to be honest. For, okay. for you, yeah, <laughs> but but for me, you don't ever say I'm not even going to look at you until you are made up. You know, so I'm a very natural person. Most of uh, these broadcasts or anytime I have been a guest star on your other shows, I, I might have lipstick on to look alive, but um, generally I've had moisturizer and nothing else. And there really is something about, you know, months of yoga pants and pajamas and, and not being made up. Um, but there is something that speaks to not, I need to meet another person's expectations that's a different thing that i don't force right but what i'm doing right now is i kind of wanted to feel good about me because i did get over my 300 minutes of activity this week i didn't do everything i said i was going to do but i want to celebrate and i thought for our show this week i want to like put on my makeup I bought some makeup to feel better during this time that's new and not crunchy and old and expired, <laughs> um, which it gets because I don't wear it much. And so that's why I'm even bothering to do this mm. in this strange um, format, because there's something about presenting, you know, making yourself feel good. Like when I put perfume on or cologne, it's for me. Usually we were already talking about that. I don't know that you even notice, frankly, and I love you and that's fine. But Sometimes um, I do. Uh, usually it's for me. I like this scent. This scent reminds me of vacation, and this scent reminds me of winter, and this scent reminds me of comfort, and this one reminds me of this you know, time in my life. And so usually when I put on some kind of scent, there's a reason for it. And it, it has everything to do with me. And similarly, um, you know, it's after 4 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, we're not going anywhere, but I'm putting makeup on like, you know, I have, I didn't accomplish everything, but I have some things to celebrate and I want to put literally my, my best face forward and feel proud of what I did do and, and taking the time to spend on yourself, no matter what that is, you know, it's, it could be brushing your hair. I mean, there are days that that's a little rough. It can be what you choose to wear. It can be what, you know, in those senses, you know, um, the pride in self is, you know, different for each person, but there are people who don't feel ready for their day until they have prepared in a certain way. And I'm ready to be more present. So if you see me taking the time to scrunch my hair, my short hair now and make the best of it and make it curly or put makeup on, it's I'm ready to be fully present for my life. And I have been coasting through anxiety and fear of this pandemic, and I'm ready to be present. And the walking that we've been doing makes me present in our amazing neighborhood and Mm. with each other and with breathing and how I feel and um, really quality sleep. And it's like I am awake. I am present. I am grateful. I'm here and I'm ready to interact. And so it's symbolic of that. I think one of the things, well, one of the things I I really want to highlight there is doing it for you. 
yeah. and not doing it yeah. for, you know, any the external forces, whether it's people at work, whether, you, you know, even whether it's me, frankly. I mean, right. um, th- these these kinds of soothing things are the things that you have to do for yourself um, or, or whatever the expectation is or the demand or whatever it is. It's got to be for you. Right. So. And I'm happily married because and I didn't marry till 35 because um, you don't put those kinds of expectations on me. Um, because those things are pretty shallow, you know, and so, um, yeah, this is about, um, wanting to be fully and being ready to be fully present and celebrate still being alive, still being healthy, still being employed, still being here, wanting to do more, wanting to reach out. It's a sign of wanting to be present. Yes. So that does kind of lead us into the next thing. But first, I want to say hello to Sean checking in in the watch party here. So hope things are going well uh, in um, Portage. Portage. Right. Yeah. But we won't hold that against you. (laughs) We love love you. We love Portage. Um, So the other the other article that I really wanted to discuss today and just pulling it up on my phone here again. Uh, I actually posted this to our Best Nest page uh, on Facebook. So if you're not a follower there, um, please check out uh, facebook.com slash bestnest and join us there. We're going to be doing more updates, and that's also how you can get updates on when we go live and all that sort of thing. Um, But so this was another article that came out from MedPage today. Um, I actually get a daily um, update, um, so and. Uh, I don't know if it's the same kind of Facebook slash Google slash whatever algorithms that know what I'm interested in. So, but it's almost invariably either obesity medicine or COPD respiratory stuff. Um, I might have signed up for it like that at some point. I don't even know. But at any rate, um, this article says obesity or excuse me, quarantine brings up more issues for patients with obesity. Uh, exercise relationship with food uh, is challenging during isolation related to the pandemic. And I that's kind of the whole point of why we started doing this was, yeah. well, one of the points, you know, we, we, we are very passionate about, um, it always sounds so cheesy in my head, but we all, we are very passionate about trying to help others. That's why we stay in, in healthcare despite prior authorizations and metrics and all the other BS that we have to do. But we really want to help people uh, because we have seen what a difference some healthier choices have made in our own lives. So And how hard it can be. And yeah, and how hard, yeah, yeah, the guilt and judgment and everything else. But um, so this study... Uh, it was a small survey, and uh, the big takeaway was uh, patients with obesity, and I really wish they would just say people with obesity, um, not, not only reported more anxiety and depression. So again, you know, now we start getting into, I, I put on my public community health hat, and I start looking at what we call the longitudinal effects, where, you know, you already have some increase in risks because you, you're carrying too much weight. So you probably have more inflammation, which is bad on joints, which is also bad on, on neurological stuff. Um, I got schooled this week in a good way. Um, I got to hang out with one of our uh, psychiatry residents at work for a couple hours and just talking about the roles of inflammation, you know, because I, I asked him what he thought about that Um that study. And he was right on. He was saying, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, just the baseline things already put you at higher risk, the baseline anxiety. So of course, if you have that, that cycle, it gets worse. 
Um, so major, uh, not only more anxiety and depression, but also less exercise, more stress eating, and increased stockpiling of food due to the stay-at-home orders. Um, so let me go. I want to go down a little bit here. So um, it was only 123 patients, so it's a fairly small sample size. Um, but they uh, most commonly, the, 67% of the group had high blood pressure, uh, half of them had sleep apnea, and a third had diabetes. So... Um, 87% said that they only left their home for necessities, going to the grocery store and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And less than half uh, said that they went outside to walk or exercise. Now, again, some confounding factors here. Um, it was really, I would say, difficult to go outside here in Michigan in March and even into uh, quite a bit of April. I mean, it's just... I think I had a dream we had snow in June last <laughs> night. It's part of my nightmares. Uh, yeah, Oof, that would be a nightmare. 61% yeah. um, reported that healthy eating was more challenging, and an equal portion reported stress eating. Although, <laughs> interestingly enough, 64% said that they were cooking more often. So this is where we start kind of getting into that that complex interplay of... It may be healthier eating, but you still probably shouldn't be doing more of it, you know, or, or is it is it relatively better or not as bad? You know, if you're instead of going out and eating all of the, you know, doing a round of Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's, you know, you're maybe cooking it at home. Is that better or is it still just bad? So, because I mean, so many variables and I hate using that word. Which one? Bad. I, I, oh, oh, OK. Um, disadvantageous it, it, it all comes down to choices in the balance so you know maybe we're cooking at home more and enjoying that and that is giving us a chance to build a new skill um, maybe share family recipes that may be baking interact with children or or share or you know it's a love language to share with a, a loved one and so it comes down to, are you able to enjoy those things, but not abuse them and medicate with them? So it is better always to eat at home and know what you're eating. But is it that you're making it and then now you're, you're, you have more access, so you're grazing mm -hmm. and you're eating more, more of it or, sure or the, the mindful, um, the mindfulness of it. Um, so as I've been talking to people, it's less about even what, but more about why. And that kind of goes back into the self-soothing things, the Absolutely. rituals, the oh, smells. You know, boy, I, can yeah. I speak to that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the two things that less, you know, exercise can be a good ritual. You know, you, we've talked about we've we've started seeing a little bit more of that endorphin rush as we're walking through oh, the I neighborhood really and things like that. Coming home today it was awesome. So if you're like getting less buzzing. of that, then that can be a problem. Yep. And then also eating and you're probably eating comfort foods, which are generally and, speaking not as healthy. Well, and I don't want people to feel that choosing comfort foods at a time like this makes them bad. Right. Because that is a normal physiologic response to stress because those types of foods will will secrete dopamine and other comfort hormones so finding other ways to moderate stress whether it's physical activity or a craft or working in the barn or working in the yard or talking to a friend whatever helps you moderate your stress 
may in theory help you moderate your using mm. of some of those comfort foods. So I'm not going to say that any of us should avoid those comfort foods or even baking at this time, but just, you know, can I sit down and savor this without guilt? So if you're going to have that amazing baked food or grandmother's recipe that you bestowed upon your family, um, can you savor it without guilt because you're not just medicating with it, but rather celebrating it? Does so that make sense? It does to me. Sean says uh, something is, is cheaper and easier and tastier. Um, there is a bit of a lag, so I'm not 100% sure what she's talking oh, about. The, oh, the comfort foods? The comfort foods, comfort yeah. They're the carbohydrates. Oh, and yeah. They are without a doubt. And that, you know, even without a pandemic, when stressed or when budget crunched, those are the things that are easy to find. They're available everywhere. They don't expire. Um, they make you feel better immediately. And they're widely accepted. And um, so... There are a lot of, and so we talk about the challenges. There are biological factors like hormones driving things and all of that, genetic factors. And this is, I'm talking about obesity, but this could, this can be related to any chronic disease. Oh, absolutely. And then environmental factors. And, and in, a, in the environment, there are people in food deserts or who are very unfortunately stigmatized and stratified where that they don't have um, the same resources. And boy, isn't that being highlighted in our world right now. Well, and if I just want to, I, yeah. I don't like to interrupt, but I want to jump in because that, that's a point that I really want to make from this study. Yeah, It was relatively small and it was done on the internet. So it's what they generally call a, a convenience sample. Um, you know, it's people who are self-selecting to be a part of this. And in the demographics, it said over half of the group that was studied had graduated college and had an annual household income of at least $75,000 a year. Um, although they did say that 10% reported losing their job since the beginning of the pandemic. But again, this is, you know, half the group is the people who should have the knowledge, should have, I, I use quotes, uh, the knowledge and resources to be able to be eating better even under stress. So that that was kind of buried well into the article, but that was one of the things that probably jumped out to me as one of the most important things. This is These are the people who should be able, in theory, to cope with this situation the best, and they're having trouble. And it's, so what it's about, biology, yeah. What about everybody else? What about the people who, at baseline, live in those food deserts or... Um, you know, don't have a lot of the knowledge because a lot of what we have taught historically about nutrition has either been found out to be wrong or wasn't right in the first place and shouldn't have been taught. You know, so how do we, you know, what are we looking at it for those people? And then what are we going to be looking at, you know, in five years, 10 years? Because kind of bringing it back full circle, now we're setting people up for higher long-term physical and mental problems. And if people are, you know, well below the poverty line and their best access to buying their own foods uh, is a convenience store or a gas station, that's why we'll see some produce now, um, you know, at a, at a gas station because it, you know, you could buy a honey bun for like 70 cents, but it costs a lot more to get fresh um, fruit or vegetables. Or, you know, we are seeing, fortunately, like grab-and-go options for protein 
even in the convenience setting. But, you know, there are people who want desperately um, to do what is recommended and they will listen to us. They will listen to healthcare providers, but they might not feel safe going to a big store or a market or not have transportation there. So there are so many variables. And so, again, I want to take that word bad Mm. just out because there are people who are, everyone is good at the core and wants to do the right thing, but we have to look at knowledge, access, resources, um, habits, family, um, so many things. Um, And, you know, we are people of means Mm -hmm. who know better, but what happened with us? The very reason we're talking now, I (laughs) I did not achieve all my goals this past week. I did not. Should I have? Yeah, but we're here to talk about, well, what barriers are common and what do we do with that? And do we give up on ourselves, especially when or even when we should know better and we have the resources and knowledge? I mean, um, you know, I think we can be sensitive to those that don't Mm -hmm. have that. But we also have to, like, forgive ourselves and understand, but keep trying and keep working. And well, keep at it. I, th- I think that's a good segue to get us into our um, talking about goals a little bit. Um, I will go first if you don't Please. mind. Yeah, I've got eyeliner. This is, takes concentration. Okay. So um, my biggest lesson this week, uh, if you if you were watching us last week, you know that my goal this week was to get, uh, you know, our, our long-term goal. I, wanted, I want to lose um, the 20 pounds I've put back on over the last six months or so. Um, I got all the way back up to 233. I'm trying to get down to about 210. So between 210, 215. That's where I felt the best. That's where, um, you know, kind of going back to some of the vanity stuff a little bit. That's where I think I looked the best. Um, but, um, first week I lost three pounds, uh, hit all my goals except for Monday. Uh, my goal that week was walking. Uh, this week, my goal was to continue on with the walking and to get at least 60 grams of protein, uh, every day because, um, 60 to 80 is, as I think back to my bariatric experience, that was what the office, um, some fancy nurse practitioner and dietitian and stuff were trying to tell me to, to get, um, supposed to get about 60 to 80 grams of protein every day. So I tried that. And my big takeaway was that that's a lot harder than you might think, especially if you're trying to do um, one of like something that's a little bit newer. Like when we talk about time restricted eating and intermittent fasting and things like that, if you have a particular window and you're working, it can be a challenge to get some of those foods in. Discovered that about halfway through the week, uh, went back to one of my old standbys from back when I was um, in my my early surgery days, uh, early post-surgery days. Uh, and I started mixing my own protein shakes. I would get unflavored protein powder, mix it up with some of the ready-to-drink packets. Um, you can get Crystal Light or things like that. We're not sponsored by any of these folks, but I like... Um, Sugar-free. Um, sugar, yeah, sugar-free, low-calorie, all that stuff. I like the the old-school crush, you know, the old the, the soda, the fruit-flavored crush. They had orange and cherry and all that. So I started going back to some of those. Um, it made it easier. But even with that, it was still a challenge. You know, even when you're getting 25 grams of protein at a chunk, you know, unless you're sticking with it, you know, it can be tough. 
Um, it was really tough for me to get good. And when I was getting high protein stuff, it was, for example, the one day that I had a really, really busy day and ended up eating about three quarters of a, a Wendy's hamburger, a, a double. Um, you know, I got through about half of what I ate and then took the, uh, the bun off cause the, the carbs were getting just too much on me and was filling up. But again, not the best food felt good, felt good. Well, let me, let me clarify that <laughs> felt good going down. Um, but for about the next three hours, I just felt not quite bad, but I just didn't feel good either. I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel physically good. Um, and, and it really just kind of punched, uh, drove home the point that you've got to be very diligent, not only about your numbers and stuff, but also the kind of things that you're eating and the amounts that you're taking in and all that stuff. And on top of it, even after hitting my goals, making sure I hit my, my protein goal, for, um, I'll be honest, I didn't really track much today because I just wasn't, I was thinking about what I wanted to, to do for goals uh, next week. But I'm going to look up and let's see. Um, I don't think, I, I did not hit my walking goal on Monday. Monday was kind of a bad day, I think, because Monday. I didn't support you either. I didn't, well, I took I mean, the day off. Yeah, I mean, it was, and, and uh, just as another uh, segue to a segue to a segue, what are your thoughts about taking a day off from time to time? Well, you know, in my part, I'm talking about here I am 42 and I have a regular cycle every 28 days to 38 days and or 30 days. And I never did before with my PCOS. And so this week I wanted to just go gung ho. But I said to Mike, I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm achy and all these things. And I said, I can take a day off. And I'm glad I did. I mean, and especially in this week, or if you were having a flare with something else. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that's Im it's important that a day off doesn't mean start again next week. So it, it can be a slippery slope. But uh, I went back to five days of activity with at least 60 minutes per day for a total of at least 300 minutes. I did accomplish that. I did take two full days off, especially during this challenging week for me. And so I am celebrating with my makeup like I still did that for myself and I didn't give up on myself, even though it's tough. If you if you take Monday off, it kind of sets sets yeah. you up for the week. That's tough. Um, so I don't have a clear black and white answer on it. But taking days off is important. Days of rest and appreciating and listening to your body. And not, not, you know, drowning in guilt is important. I've heard you say in the past that, you know, 80% of the time, you know, if you're good 80% of the time, then usually the other 20% kind of works itself out in the end. Mm -hmm. As long as you, which coincidentally enough, translates to one day out of the week, at least the work week. Right. So, right. Um, you know, again, don't make it, don't give it to two days, three days, four days. It's really easy to fall down that, that slope, but also... Don't beat yourself up too much. Try again the next day. That's what we talk about that in smoking cessation too. It's like, yeah, you're going to have days where you might fail. Uh, you might have a cigarette or you might have, you know, more than you have set as your goal. And that's okay. But look at why you got to that point. Catherine also checking in, looking for some makeup tips while you're at it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I feel a little bit like, um, uh, I feel a little bit with my blush like um, Raggedy Ann. 
She has just these. <laughs> but that could also be because I just got out of the shower from walking. Oh. Uh, more to come on another episode. I'll do that. If you think I don't look like a clown, then cool. <laughs> I'll give you some. Uh, speaking of the goals and stuff, so Monday, my goal was 60 grams, just again. Uh, Monday, I hit 58. Uh, Tuesday, I had 53. Um, what did I have to eat on, on Tuesday? Um, it was Taco Tuesday. Was it Taco Tuesday? Yeah. And we made the salsa chicken. While you're looking that up, oh I'll yeah, I say, had Wendy's. I had, a, a, I guess it was a big Wendy's week. I had a homestyle chicken sandwich and then the salsa chicken, and then that's when I realized that I needed to do something like drastically different. And then Wednesday I started doing the um, protein shakes, and Wednesday was the first day I actually got to sixty. But even with that extra boost, I only got to sixty-two. So I'm sorry. I, th I think I interrupted you while we're okay. talking about Tuesday. No, it's all it's all true. This is you know just life. As far as days off, something I've learned, and um, I remember, I don't think she's here on the call today, but she's doing the some of my support group. Sandra Burdenside, a nurse and friend and patient, um, found um, a research article, and this was about two years ago when I was seeing her, and she said, something I've really learned for myself, and so I know the difference between kind of summer and winter in my weight and in Michigan, depending on how active she was. And she said, I also read something that said, if you go more than a day, so go into two days of inactivity, and she um, read this and then said she had observed it in her own life, and I definitely have as well. And, and it said that if you go two days or more without intentional activity, and that it could even be heavy house cleaning or a lot of the yard work and, you know, repairs that a lot of people are doing. If you go um, that long, it can feel to a lot of us like we took a medication to make us depressed. Mm. And that makes sense because I have gone on for additional education on stress and resilience and the hormones and the relationship to dementia, as a matter of fact. And if you even have some mild physical activity, you can decrease those circulating levels of inflammatory chemicals and hormones that set us up for risk. But I can't say I have actually had and I and I have said this to you this week. I have actually had days in the last seven days where I can say I felt complete peace and exhilaration and joy hmm. um, in the heavy walking um, with, you know, with enough time and without ever taking more than one day off. So I took Monday off and I took Wednesday off. And for any woman who knows how this week can go, it's just how it was. But I took Monday off and I took Wednesday off. We had walked the five miles before our um, uh, best nest on Sunday. And we walked at least 60 minutes on Tuesday. And it took me some work, but I did it. And that at least prevented me from going into that depression spiral where I didn't want to get back up. So I only allowed one day. And then again, I only allowed one day. And we walked um, 85 minutes on Friday, or Thursday. And we walked at least 60 on Friday. And we played tennis for over 60 minutes yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we walked for well over 80 minutes today, very you know, and so I only had the two days off and there were certain, excuse me, not even just immediately following the walk, 
but there were days that I could sit with an actual sense of peace. That is important to me. Oh. That is important to me and a lot of the people I see. And when I have um, patients and friends and people who talk to me about anxiety and depression and hurt and weight challenges, this is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And to know that a 60-minute walk in my neighborhood, no matter how fast I go, can make me fall in love again with my environment and my neighbors and where I am and where I am in life and where I am, you know, in my, I mean, it really has brought a lot together. Um, but knowing that there, and, and you talk about that to some degree in the study, but knowing that there really is a connection between activity and mood, um, I'm excited for the next week and ready to do more. And I'm glad that that brokenness I was feeling because I felt peace and joy this week, even though I was imperfect in my goals, but because I felt that again, and I haven't felt that really true peace feeling, and that's in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. I haven't felt that in probably 18 months or more. And that I knew I could feel that again. I am feeling encouraged and, and inspired. And I think it's tapping into those things that we want for people mm -hmm. or we want to have again so that... Um, we can share that and and other people can inspire us to that, right? Well, and, and that leads me actually really nicely to the last thing that, that I wanted to talk about today. Um, like I said, the first week, down three pounds. All I was doing was stepping, piece of cake, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Catherine gives you some some kudos on that with being fantastic too, which absolutely. And thanks um, for being here, Angie and Charlie Brooks. Uh, first week, you know, like I said, minor change, drop three pounds, piece of cake. This week kept up with this with that change, tried to make a slightly another slight mild change, lost all of half a pound. So a couple of things the, the two takeaways that I have from that are first of all, it is really easy to get discouraged when you're starting a plan because you you will probably have that burst of success right off the bat. And then you might plateau again for a little while because, you know, and Kelly can speak to this a little bit better, I'm sure, but your body adapts to kind of new, new normals pretty quickly mm -hmm. at, a, at a physiological level, the physical stuff. Um, and or we'll, we'll work, you know, we'll fight like hell to get you up, you know. So, you know, that's something that really happens. Well, and so you can that's get these, these quick fix, you know, 10-day diet and, you know, lose 10 pounds in a week or blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as you stop that, then you're already back up or you start and going you back. Feel, I mean, you feel that sense of defeat again, you know. And so it, 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 it again, is really easy to get discouraged and then, well, what's wrong with me? All that kind of stuff. Um, you know, just like with, with a lot of the other things we talked about. And then that, again, puts you on that negative self-talk train and, and gets you into a bad place. But even when, when it comes to health, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to a lot of these things, weight is not always the be-all, end-all. And so you, I've heard you talk many times, including, um, you know, in a clinical sense and outside of the clinical sense, about these idea, this idea of non-scale victories. Yes. And you, know, because there's sometimes, you know, sometimes you might not lose any weight, but your pants fit better, or your shirt fits better, or um, you fit in an airplane seat, or you know, you can go on a roller coaster, or you can do a lot of things that aren't necessarily reflected in the number, 
And again, you know, one of one of our big one of our um, our best patrons talks about how you should. Brian Simpson talks about how you should know a lot of your numbers, but don't let them define you. Don't let them tell you who you are. So the number doesn't always mean a lot. And to your point about some of the psychological stuff, I slept orders of magnitude better this week. Just, you know, again, by having uh, having the activity. Um, I, again, other than Monday, which I ended up kind of taking off too, I got my 10,000 steps each day, which was the thing. We played tennis yesterday, uh, sleeping much more soundly, waking up, you know, f- at least feeling rested. I, I don't necessarily want to get in the out mornings. of bed. That's new. Well, yeah. Um, because I, I'm rested again yeah. because I, I'm good. getting an appropriate sleep amount and quality. I think. Mm-hmm. And because my body is tired enough to want to go to bed and I'm not like forcing it to go to bed. Like, right. Like we often do if we're not getting enough activity. Right. Um, my mood, I think, has been improved. I mean, I I, I have really enjoyed walking through the neighborhood. I, I'm that's been a little bit pro and con because it's nice to see what a lot of our neighbors do, but it also tells me that we have a lot to do oh, I know. with our curb appeal. We have appeal. a lot of curb appeal to, uh, <laughs> to catch up But it's okay. We, we'll uh, but we got we got a bunch of kids who are looking for stuff to do all summer too. So, yeah. um, but so when you maybe don't see the change in the number, focus on at least one non-scale victory that you had that week and continue on going forward. So and celebrate the behavior change, yeah. even if you don't see anything in outcomes yet. Stay the course because just deciding to make a change and sticking to at least part of it. And that's kind of where I am. I made some pretty lofty goals, as I do, and I've stuck to part of them. But I'm still proud that I've done that. Yes. And so uh, just to uh, put a pin in me, uh, my goal, I'm going to continue on with my steps. Uh, and I'm going to continue. I, I'm not making really necessarily a new goal. I want. I, I still haven't really achieved getting the protein under control. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a new behavioral goal in that I'm going to do... Um, and this will probably sound like an old school uh, um, uh, infomercial, but I'm going to do a protein drink for breakfast and a protein drink for lunch. And then with dinner, have some sensible stuff, vegetables, uh, whatever protein I'll need. Uh, the, the protein that I use is 25 grams. So I'll have 25, 25. I'll need at least 10 grams of protein with dinner. Um, plus, like I said, vegetables and, um, you know, whatever else rounds that out. So that's my goal is to continue on with the activity and then slightly modify how I am taking in protein. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. I like it. So, uh, how did you do on, you, you mentioned you hit some of your goals this week. Well, I said that I wanted to walk more than 25 miles, which I had hit the the week prior. And I mean, this is the lesson, you know, this was my cycle week. I was tired. I mean, tired. And I had, you know, more carbohydrates and sugar than I typically do. But as I tell people often, rein it in a bit, but just roll with it. Um, Because if you really deprive yourself and expect too much of yourself, you're going to feel defeated and rebel. So and then I, that kind of goes into the guilt and all that the stuff. The guilt. And, and if I go into that spiral, the depression is worse. So my depression has improved markedly because I have at least, I have been active at least every other day. I only took two days off. And for chronic weight maintenance, I, I talk about at least 300 minutes of aerobic activity per week. And I got 347 despite taking those days off. So well done. proud of that. 
proud of better sleep. I got more protein and more vegetables. Yeah, I, I think than I have been. I did drink alcohol. I did have sugar. I didn't exceed 25 miles, but I'm not going to, you know, bathe in that. I'm not going to say exactly what my eating plan is because I feel like I might jinx it. So I have a plan that I thought about on my walk, but I'm only going to share that um, next week. Ooh, uh, cliffhanger. Pro or con. Our first I, cliffhanger I, on the yeah, on I, Fight the Flight. Nice. I have it in my head what I'm going to do, and, and I will be honest about it. If I don't do what I have in my head now, I uh, admit to it, but, but I have a plan. Um, I want to get at least 300 minutes of... Um, aerobic activity, but it's really essential that I add my at least 40 minutes of strength training per week. And right now, um, I'll be starting a new template in my work schedule, and I'm excited about it. So I'm going to, as I often advise others, set three 15-minute appointments, and knowing what my schedule is and the best days to do it for strength training. Hmm. And my strength training might include some work I do due to my kind of frozen left shoulder, but uh, or or focus on lower um, lower body so they don't hurt my shoulder. But um, so that you know, those days are Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, um, or each week starting on Tuesday. So Tuesday early on. So Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, excuse me, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Three fifteen-minute appointments toward the morning. Um, and then if then I have plan B that both of us are, are freed up in the evenings those days. If I didn't do it in the morning, that we can do it in the evening. And that's another kind of plan A, plan B Mike and I have had. We've walked um, five miles, four miles uh, a couple times in the morning in the neighborhood before the workday. And then some days we've just been too tired. We've just enjoyed that good quality sleep. But he really has stuck to and then pulled me along um, to getting in those steps and that walk in the evening. So we will be busy with our other endeavors beginning this week mm -hmm. until 8 p.m. on Monday and Wednesday. And that's something I thought a lot about. Um, that is our productive time. That allows us some other free time. So um, it's my goal to add the strength training to continue to get at least 64 ounces of water, at least 60 grams of protein um, most days. But I, I'll report back on that. Um, I'm up 0.2 pounds or ish. So you, I had lost 3.5 last week and you lost three and you're down like 0.2 and I'm up 0.2. So we're kind of at, we're at neck and neck right now. But I'm, I'm clearly no expert, but is that, is that not, not unusual? Absolutely. For this particular week? To yeah. have some yeah. retention. No, and no to, I have I have water retention. I had more water. And so I'm not tripping, you know, and I tell people, don't let it like define you or, you know, I, I didn't gain a whole bunch at the end of it all. I'm just going to keep rolling. You know, at, there was a time that I um, was down and I wrote it on the calendar. I had broken through this, this threshold. There was a point that I was down um, six and now I'm still down three point something um but it's okay and also um another thing i said to mike is my legs feel really strong again and i don't feel a hundred shakes when i walk but maybe like 50 like my booty shake and my thigh shake and my thigh rub um it's it's been okay you know um I've, i'm feeling stronger and to feel strong in my body and able 
to walk the distance we are, I feel good about that. Good. And and that's better than the non, scale stuff. Non-scale victory. Yeah, non-scale victory, you know, behavior goals, um, you know, improving. And I we, we may be a little more muscular, you know, they're... Clothes are, you know, still tight, but um, they're they're pulling on a little better with my bad shoulder, so that's good too. So a couple of things, uh, we're coming up on a, on about an hour. We usually we budget about an hour. We started a few minutes uh, after after we after the schedule, but because um, of my preamble. Well, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm worth it. I hope uh, I'm confident everybody else out there thinks that this has been worth it too. I'm worth it to you. Yeah, absolutely, that's why I said too. Mm -hmm. uh so if anybody's got any last minute questions or anything like that please feel free to drop them in comments or anything like that this will be available uh, on youtube um we're still looking for about 95 more subscribers so we can actually give it a real name instead of just a <laughs> random series of characters so please like share and subscribe um uh, while we're waiting on any more last questions to come in there were a couple of things that popped up during the course of the week that um i know we had talked about maybe having a little bit of struggle with and especially going in with the whole idea of the strength training um and and having some shoulder problems or things like that how will you be integrating the stretching into that or should we be stretching more even like before our walks oh, and things like i mentioned that. that too um, we really should at least stretch at the end. It okay. used to be always stretch before. The, and so there's some conflicting literature out there. Listen to your body, listen to your body, listen to your body. But we really, especially once things are warmed up, we should stretch out some. And then, you know, before we do some some fast stop start action like we do in tennis, sprinting, mm. we definitely need to elongate and stretch some things to prevent injury. So paying attention to to stretching, relaxation, take remembering to breathe. Remembering to breathe, no matter who you are, how well you breathe at baseline, but remembering <laughs> to breathe and hydrate. Um, yeah, because we could have some wicked cramping. We we've experienced that when mm -hmm. we're when we bump up activity like this, and then we don't hydrate. So we've been taking a, a lot of water along with us. So and, and even when you're not necessarily doing an active workout, I saw. I don't know if she's still watching. I saw our friend Angie had joined in a little while ago, and I know that she has mentioned before. She's very open about her weight loss journey as one of the navigators, uh, one of the the patient navigators at her facility. Um, sometimes I, I'm doing better with it because I'm using water in my protein drink, but. Sometimes as the day goes on and stretches on, maybe you forget to do your water. So is there a good strategy? Is it, is it better to get it all in the morning? Does it have to be like a regular infusion throughout the day? Or is there is there any benefit to trying to do like, you know, they say you're supposed to get, well, like 64 ounces in a day roughly. Is it, uh, is it better, uh, worse, non-inferior to you? Like if I were to get a 64-gallon jug and drink everything in the morning and then not drink much water the rest of the day, is that the same as drinking it throughout the course of the day? Or is it good that I got it all in? Or was there a strategy involved there? Okay, so different people may have different takes on this. Sometimes I'll see, you know, like different providers have a different intake on artificial well, sweeteners. you know, four and, out of five dentists, yeah. uh, you um, know. I will say whether you, no matter how you get it, if you're able to get the hydration from midnight to midnight, that's better than not getting it, hmm. period. Now, I know people who strategize to get it earlier in the day, and maybe they're on water pills or diuretics or even without, 
they just they know how important sleep quality is and they know that if they have a lot of their water after x time in the day they'll be up all night mm-hmm. so it it can also depend on your kidney function and how you metabolize things and if you're up all night right um i have a a dear friend and nurse practitioner um who is an obesity specialist in Seattle, and she has a dry eye condition. She had a rare cancer of her eye where she has to have so many ounces of water every hour she's awake to help hydrate um, mucous membranes in her eyes. Um, so it really can depend on what our our needs are. Um, and so paying attention to, it's pulling all those things together, right? Mm-hmm. And so paying attention to, if I get all my hydration early in the day, um, then I, I feel good and um, I'm able to sleep through the night. Um, some people that's really challenging or they're frightened to, I, um, I work with a lot of teachers or people on a factory floor who say, I can't, I can't do most of my hydration early in the day. I can't take that many breaks. I just can't get away. So um, you know, it's really adapting to what your needs are. But at the end of the day, our bodies really need that, mm. you know. And so, um, again, there's no bad. It's just, you know, looking at the big picture. All right. I, I know that sounds like a political answer. No, um, I mean, that... I think it's like anything else. You know, I don't know that we would necessarily strictly call medicine a medication. But you just like... water. What did I say? Medicine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Probably should call medicine I, medicine. I got you. I got you. Uh, we wouldn't necessarily call water a medicine, just like we don't often consider like oxygen as a medicine. But um, two of the most powerful medicines we put in our bodies. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, you, you're supposed to get a prescription for it, you know, for, for oxygen and things like that. It really is a, a medication therapy type of, you know, that kind of thing. But just like when we talk about exercise, just like when we talk about, uh, you know, I talk a lot about inhaler regimens all the time, you know, whatever it is, diet plans, all that stuff, it really needs to be customized and tailored to an individual need. And while there's probably a range of intake that you should have for health, is it is it better to say that you should kind of respond to input, like if you're thirsty, drink some water rather than try to hit one-size-fits-all goal or? I'll never subscribe to a one-size-fits-all. And then we also have patients with, you know, kidney issues, mm-hmm. liver issues, um, heart issues who have been recommended to get, you know, so much and, and in certain ways. So we always want to play nice in the sandbox and find the safest solution. Um, I think your best um, ally in your health are aligning with people who listen to you because you know your body better than any of us do. Collaborative care. Uh, so always align with people who listen to you and what your needs and wishes and life, you know, your life quality and um, a good partner in your health, whether at a professional provider or a coach or anyone, will listen to you and adapt. Um, there is no one size fits all and there is no bad person. So it really, and sometimes it's trial and error. A lot of the time, yeah. um, you know, we it's like, well, let's try this and how'd that feel? Well, nope, that didn't work. So let's adapt that. That doesn't mean you failed. That just means, all right, let's work together. Let's find something that works better. 
Um, I think in Angie's case, which was a really good point, you know, she's good at getting a lot with her workouts in the morning. She's got a really great routine, but she still feels she needs more hydration throughout the day. And so she sets timers because hmm. those of us that have had um, surgery, we have kind of this window. And that's a really good way to remember to stay hydrated later in the day when it's a little bit harder to accomplish because of our meal times. And she probably feels better when she does that. So, you know, there are different um, strategies that people employ. At the end of the day, we're, you know, we, we uh, as providers, but as your friends or, you know, whatever, um, fellow people walking the path, um, we all just want to feel better, yeah. feel better, you know. And how do I do that in a way that is possible and I don't feel defeated? It, that's, that's the magic. All right. That we hope for. I think those are some great words to end on. So we're going to call it another week here at Fight to Flight, part of the Best Nest family of programming. <laughs> uh, join us. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, COPD Navigator tomorrow. We've got a ready room session. We're going to be talking about uh, those uh, friends of ours who have issues with their breathing. We're going to be talking about uh, some of those tests. Uh, join us again next Sunday for another round of Fight to Flight, and we'll see um, how we do with our goals this week. Uh, make sure that you're finding us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bestness. We're going to be trying to get uh, some other, um, I hate to use the word, lifestyle articles and things like that up there because it makes me feel like uh, I'm going to Paltrow or something like that, trying to sell uh, a thing. But um, Goop. Goop, yeah. Um, just, you know, again, trying to be a little bit healthier, feeling better, you know, feeling better. Well, we're, really share, we're just here to share yeah. our mess. Hey, I have a big one, everybody. And I want anyone can comment here on our Facebook page. So this is a conspiracy. Mike doesn't know I'm saying this. Uh -oh. But I said, if I'm a good girl and I achieve my goals this week, which includes cleaning our room so that I can make it my office finally. Oh, don't have to worry about that then. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> a huge thing for me after losing this much weight is that I don't need my CPAP anymore. Oh, no. I know where this is going. Hey, Dad, you got your grill. Actually, that I was my idea when we were playing tennis yesterday. Anyway, I want to get a big either screened-in tent or just a big tent for our backyard. And we now we I got a, a queen-sized air air bed type thing, and I want to sleep outside in a tent with no CPAP. Because I freaking can. In my little backyard here in the Millwood, I want to sleep outside and I won't hurt as much because I can stand it and I don't need my CPAP. And so he promises that if I am a good girl this week and I do everything, he will help me get such a tent and set it up. And I did do that. I didn't say you had to sleep out there. If you want to leave me out there by myself, I don't care. I am a strong, independent woman. I will be out there. But this is a big deal, non-scale victory for me. Right. And I want to freaking camp in my tent. So anyone that thinks this is a good goal, I want you to show me some love on our Facebook page or like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment that that is a great idea. All right. So who's on Team Tent? Hit up our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. Team Mike It says it's silly or Team Kelly. I didn't say it was silly. I said I didn't want to go camping. So Team Kelly is with the tent. Team Mike is no tent. Give us your love and opinion. Please like and subscribe so that we can even name it the best nest. Even if we have 101 subscribers, that's all we ever need. We love you guys.
All right, folks, we will see you next week. Hope everybody has a great time out there and uh, be well.